everybody, and welcome back to Everything with Jenna. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate it. Um, today, you guys, I am so excited to talk about one of my most absolute favorite things in the whole wide world, and that is Disneyland. That's right. If you know me or you're just getting to know me, one thing that you should definitely know is that I love Disneyland. Like I love, love, love Disneyland. And just to be clear, this is about the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California, not Disney World or any of the other Disney properties around the world. Um, No offense to them, but I am definitely more of a West Coast person. And so Disneyland is is my home away from home. I love Disneyland very much. Um, It's not just about rides for me or attractions. It's more about, I guess, the feeling that I get when I go to the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim. It's just, it's a really special place for me. I have a lot of wonderful memories there at Disneyland. And uh, I love that my son, Jack, loves Disneyland like I do. And even my husband, who had never actually been to Disneyland until we started dating uh, about six and a half years ago or so, was the first time that he went to Disneyland. And thus, we have been multiple times since then. Uh, In fact, we even went there as part of our honeymoon two years ago. So we love Disneyland. Uh, Most of our family vacations are at Disneyland. Not all of them, but a lot of them do tend to be uh, at Disneyland because we really enjoy it. We enjoy Southern California. We love Uh, being able to drive there. As I said before, or if this is your first time listening, uh, we live in Las Vegas. So yes, we know the original adult playground, but I do my best to try and leave as much as possible. (laughs) And that's another story. Uh, But we love going to Disneyland. And so today I wanted to share with you some of my things that you should probably consider uh, when you're going to Disneyland, whether it's for the first time or you've gone and it's just been a while or maybe some things that you're not aware of. Um, Disclosure here, I have no affiliation with the Disney properties at all except for my love for them. And uh, obviously I'm not being paid or anything by Disney. One day, one day guys, one day, hopefully. Fingers crossed one day that'll happen. But today is not that day. Um, So some of the things that I think you should consider when you're going to Disneyland. So the first thing I would say is you should consider the time of year. the time of year plays a big role on a lot of things. If you're going at Christmas time or if you're going at around a big holiday, obviously the Christmas winter holiday season is very busy at Disneyland. They decorate the place like crazy bananas and it's just beautiful. It's gorgeous. There's snow on the castle. It's amazing. They have a giant tree in town square right when you go into the Disneyland park and it's beautiful. They do a Disneyland uh, extravaganza. They do different holiday parades. I mean, it is just amazing. It smells like Christmas when you walk in. I, I can't even explain it. That vanilla and then maybe peppermint and then all the different things that they have there. It is gorgeous. So as much as I love going to Disneyland at Christmas time, everyone else loves to go to Disneyland at Christmas time as well. So it's very, very busy. Um, Recently, I think it was within the last year or so, Disney, um, actually all the Disney parks had changed how their ticket prices are structured. So on days where it is more packed, uh, the ticket prices are going to be more. 
it's like surge pricing. So if you use a ride share program or anything like that, then you're kind of familiar with surge pricing and Disneyland and Disney it is, as a whole has jumped right onto that. Uh, so if you're looking to save some money, I would venture to guess that going at Christmas time, and remember Christmas time in 2019 for Disney is November 8th through January 5th. So it's a good chunk of the end of the year. And uh, yeah, they're going to charge you more money. Of course, there are all different ways to save money in going to Disneyland and your park tickets. One of the ways you can do that is going to Costco or to Sam's Club or Target, and you can actually purchase uh, Disney gift cards. And normally you can get them for a little bit cheaper than what the face value is, meaning that uh, I believe if you buy, for instance, a $50 gift card at uh, Sam's Club, it'll only, it'll cost you like $47, somewhere around that neighborhood. Uh, so it does save you a little bit of money, but it's still uh, pretty pricey. Uh, also, the more time, the more days that you go, the cheaper your tickets are. So if you go onto the Disney uh, website, Disneyland, Disney World, again, I'm just talking more specifically about Disneyland, and you book multiple days, that price goes down. I mean, that's, I think, pretty normal if you if you think about it. Like, the more time you're there, the less money it'll be. They try and give you a little bit of a discount on multi-days. Also, another way to, con- or another thing to consider when you're budgeting for that Disney trip is they have different packages as far as if you're going to stay on property or off property. And also if you're choosing to have a park hopper versus a one park at a time. If you are doing a one park at a time, that will save you a significant amount of money. It depends again on how uh, many days that you're planning on being there. But um, for instance, at Disneyland, there's only those two parks, Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure or DCA. So you can go for one day to Disneyland and then the next day to DCA, or you can get a park hopper where you can go to both parks in one day. Personally, we do park hoppers. We just find that uh, it's more enjoyable, especially on those days when it's really crowded because you can really go from one park to the other. And if say there's a parade at one park, uh, and you're at the other park, you can probably get into some rides while people are watching the parade, that sort of thing. Um, the other thing you should consider during that time of year is hotel availability. Again, Christmas time, huge, huge time to go to Disneyland. Halloween time, huge time to go to Disneyland. And so your hotel availability may be different. Um, there's a lot of, lot of, uh, hotels, off Disneyland property. Uh, They're called Good Neighbor Hotels, and you can get pretty substantial deals by staying at one of those uh, Good Neighbor Hotels. However, if it's a really, really busy time of year, you're, of course, going to, again, pay for that surge pricing. It's just how it works. That supply and demand thing, right? Uh, Econ 101. Uh, Also, like I said, crowd levels. So Disneyland, I would say probably from October 1st all the way through January probably 8th, 9th, somewhere in there, 10th, maybe after Martin Luther King Day. It's just packed. Uh, So if you are not big on crowds, that's probably not the best time to go to Disneyland. It is just so busy there because people love it. And Disneyland is really known more for a locals park, known as a locals park. There's a lot of people that live in Southern California and Disney offers them Southern California discounts, things like that. So because of that, 
they're able to go to Disneyland depending on their type of pass that they have because a lot of people that live in Southern California are able to get different uh, annual passes. And so I would say also pay attention to that. You can go to ifitspack.com. I'm not affiliated with them either. Okay, everyone that I mentioned, I'm just not affiliated with. I just know of. Um, so just for the record on that, uh, you can go on to that website if it's, it's isitpack.com or there's a few other websites that uh, really provide some really good information on how busy the crowd capacity or what their expectation is for the crowds that day or that week or et cetera. Um, so it's one of those things that you have to just be aware of. If you don't want to be around people, uh, then I would say stay away from Disneyland that last quarter of the year. Um, or if you're willing to brave the crowds, go for it. And it's even when it's really busy, it leads me into my next thing, uh, fast passes. So fast passes are really incredibly beneficial. I remember way back in the day, when we would go to Disneyland and my dad was like, okay, here's how we do it. So he would just have like a, this whole plan of where you start and what you do in each land. And of course this was before DCA. Um, and that was how you did it. You did everything in Tomorrowland. You did everything in Frontierland. You did everything in New Orleans square. You did every, you know, Adventureland and that sort of thing. So the fast pass system, when it came into play, probably around 20 years ago or so, maybe a little less, about 20 years ago, I would say, um, really changed on how people move through the park and now the parks. Um, so at the time and still available today is you could go to certain rides, more of those quote e-ticket rides. So your faster attractions, the really ones that are very exciting and you would put your park ticket in and there would be a sign it would tell you when you could come back. So basically you could go to Indiana Jones, you could get a fast pass, say it was 10 o'clock in the morning, your fast pass would be for one o'clock in the afternoon. So in the interim, you couldn't get another fast pass until about noon, it's about two hours difference, and you would go ride something else, and then you would run and get another fast pass at noon, go to Indy, then go to wherever you got your next fast pass for, right? So you would stand, be in standby sometimes and then go fast pass other times. Uh, I wanna say it was probably probably about, two years ago or so that Disneyland implemented the uh, fast pass max system. And this system I feel has been life changing. Okay. Maybe not life changing, but it's really, really helpful. Uh, the max pass system allows you to book your fast passes on your mobile device using the Disneyland app. Um, it does cost more and it, the price just went up again because again, Disney, you know, um, so it is $15 a person per day, but I have to say it is well worth its weight in gold. You can actually book your fast passes on your phone. And once you're, you're in the park, you can start booking your fast pass. You still have to wait that two hours. Um, but the beauty is, is if you get there early enough, you can book a ride and then it could be available like right then or 10 minutes later, and then you can make another fast pass selection. So there are tons of different blogs, websites, et cetera, on the best practices on how to do this, how we do it, generally speaking, depending again on the crowds, but oftentimes what we do, Radiator Springs is one of our absolute favorite rides. And so we'll go into DCA. 
will, you know, get the max pass and then um, I'll book for myself and my husband and my son or my family will book for Radiator Springs. And now this one fills up really quickly. So what we do is we book that and normally we get there like say nine o'clock in the morning. It's probably already like a two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon uh, fast pass return time for Radiator Springs. It goes like I don't know what the deal is. I mean, it's a great ride, but holy moly. I mean, it's just, it's like the first one that's always full. I swear it never ends. Uh, so we'll get that fast pass and then we'll go get coffee or we'll go and check and see what the other wait times are and maybe go stand by somewhere else. And then come 11 o'clock, we'll start using our fast passes and, and start getting more where they're a little bit closer in time. Um, Another thing that we do with the Max Pass is my husband is way more of an introvert than um, most people would even realize. Uh, he's very much an introvert, and he's not huge on crowds, but he loves going to Disneyland with us. And so a lot of times he needs a little bit of a break. So while some people take breaks with their children and go back to the hotel, we go back because my husband's like, let's take a break. And honestly, when it's really busy, it is nice to be able to go back to your hotel room and take a little bit of a break. So while we do that, I'm still able to book fast passes on my mobile device, which is really great because um, we went there in, uh, this must have been around May or I guess it was May and it was, it was busy. And so we were able to actually actually what we did was we went to the Anaheim packing district. So we left Disneyland, went back to our hotel, got our car, went and did a little exploring. We went to the Anaheim packing district, had a really nice lunch. And the whole time we were doing that, I was booking fast passes. It was great. So then because it was so busy, a lot of the fast passes were for later in the day. We were able to rest up, feel refreshed, go have a really nice lunch and then go back to Disneyland later in the afternoon. And we didn't have to do standby for anything. We had fast passes for all the attractions that we wanted to go on. It was, it was really great. Um, we do that a lot and it has been really beneficial for us. Now, not everyone might want to do that. Want to uh, People may just want to stay in the parks all the way around. So if, I would say if you're doing that, it might not be worth getting the max pass. However, for us, like I said, it's a non-negotiable thing for us. Using fast passes is really important, but also the max pass has just been really, really beneficial for us. I know Disney World has uh, the fast pass plus system, so it's a little bit different at Disneyland. So if you're more familiar with Disney World, um, you know that you book three in advance and then you can start using it. Whereas at Disneyland, after that two hour time, time from the time you book it, if it's even way later, you can then get another fast pass. And I just think it is so beneficial and I can't talk enough about that system. I do wish though that at Disneyland they would allow or they would bring in um, magic bands. So if, again, if you're more familiar with um, Disney World where you have magic bands and everything is, is right there on your wrist and you can use it to scan into a ride. So it's almost the same system that we have at Disneyland, except I'm just using my phone to check us all into a ride. It would be great if we could have magic bands at Disneyland. I hope that one day they do that. I don't know. I'm guessing it's a cost thing or I'm not sure, but I think it's phenomenal and I really think that people should do it. Um, just my opinion. I really think that Disney should consider bringing the magic bands to Disneyland. I think we all would really enjoy that and hey, another moneymaker for Disneyland. So I'm sure it's a consideration for them. 
So, uh, so maybe you have a fast pass booked. Maybe you're at Disneyland, you have a fast pass book, fast pass booked, and then you're like, oh, let's get something to eat. Now, I would say Disneyland has some of the best, quote, theme park food you can find. And I've been to a lot of different theme parks over the over the years and in different parts of the world. And I would say that Disneyland really ups their game. And I was watching another, um, I was watching a YouTube thing about the differences between Disney World and Disneyland food. And I have to agree um, that I think Disneyland, because they don't have as many resorts as Disney World, they have to really up their counter service, their counter service game, so to speak, as far as the type of food and the quality of food that they're putting out. So at Disneyland, uh, there's a lot of counter service restaurants, meaning that you go up to the counter, you order, you get it, you go sit down, right? So there's different levels of counter service. So say, for instance, at DCA, um, in the Radiator Springs area, in the Cars Land area, there's a whole section of Cozy Cone based off of Sally's uh, Cozy Cone Motel from the Cars movies. And there's different cones. They look like giant orange construction cones. And you can go and order from them. And they are great counter service very awesome fun things they have a bacon mac and cheese cone and a bread bowl like a pretzel bread bowl they have all kinds of different stuff so it's really good they have popcorn and ice cream cone you know you get it so that's really really like very quick counter service normally you don't have to wait in line too too long for that then right across the way they have flows v8 this is also considered a counter service place however i would say it's a it's an upper level counter service in that the prices are probably a little bit more but in that you get uh, they have a much bigger menu there you get real plates and silverware etc and there's a lot of places to sit inside and outside there it's a really fun place um still not as expensive as say an actual sit-down restaurant so some of the sit-down restaurants at disney world or disneyland oh my gosh i can't believe i just said that you guys oh my gosh disneyland Whew. Losing my mind. See, I just start talking and then I slip up and say something like that. Anyways, okay. So Disneyland and DCA. There are some really, really nice restaurants at uh, Disneyland and DCA that are sit-down restaurants, meaning that you have a server, a, a, wait, a waiter or waitress come over, the whole thing, you know. So I think we all know the difference between counter service and um, sit-down. However, the prices at the sit-down restaurants, of course, are a lot more than counter service and counter service is still pretty darn expensive depending on what it is that you're you're looking to get i mean disneyland and the disneyland resort has some again amazing food that things that you can only get there the corn dogs if you have not had a corn dog from the corn dog castle at dca or the little red wagon at disneyland itself you are missing out you think corn dogs are like eh these are amazing corn dogs. I can't talk enough, enough about how amazing these corn dogs are. My husband at DCA goes to Corn Dog Castle what, no matter what, and then he gets a hot link corn dog. And it's like bigger than my head. It's huge. Maybe not as big as my head, but it's really, really big and it's really delicious. Um, so there's a lot of good things there. But where I was going with that is that at Disneyland, you don't have to actually buy food there. So Disneyland and the Disney Resorts, as far as I know, are pretty much one of the only places that they still allow you to bring. You are able to bring in your own food. Um, now, they don't allow you to bring in 
dry ice anymore. Not that I know. I don't know. Hopefully people aren't bringing their food in and dry ice, but, uh, you can actually bring in sandwiches and you can bring in whatever kind of food you want. There's not really microwaves available for public consumption or for public use, I should say. Um, but you are able to bring in all kinds of your own stuff. And they have lockers at the front and all around the parks on both sides, actually, where if you don't want to haul your stuff around, you can get a locker for the day. And depending on how much you have, you can store it in there. There's different size lockers and you can store your food in there, come back, go get it, and then go sit on a, on a bench at one of the, uh, you know, throughout the park or in between on the Esplanade between California Adventure and Disneyland, there's park benches and areas and picnic areas, so to speak, that you can use to um, sit there and have a nice lunch, you know, that you bring yourself, which of course is going to save tons of money. Also, I think it's like one thing to say, like if you have younger children and you know, they're snacking, so to speak, I would say it's great to be able to bring in that kind of stuff. And I'm not talking like babies where most places allow you to bring in formula and breast milk and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're talking like you can bring granola bars, you can bring, you know, Cheerios, you can bring all of that stuff and you don't necessarily even have to carry it. You can get a backpack and call it a day as far as that goes. And I think that that really helps no matter what budget you're on. I think that's very, very beneficial. So that's something to consider uh, when you're when you're considering your food as part of your budget. I would say go online to your research. I would give you prices, but they change all the time. Like it does not it does not matter. I'm like, whoa. So a churro went from three dollars to four dollars to five twenty five, and now six seventy two or whatever it is. So there's a little frustration there on that. But churros are amazing. I will pay probably upwards to $10 for a churro if I had to because they're from Disneyland and they're amazing. Much to my husband's. <laughs> He's okay with the churros. But they are really pricey when you think about it. It's fried dough and cinnamon and sugar, you know, when you think about it. But whatever it is what it is. When in Rome, as I like to say. <laughs> for me, also, I wanted to talk a little bit about attractions. Um, depending on your family structure, and how, how old you, if you're having, if you have children, how old they are, how tall they are, um, that's something to really consider. I would say go onto the Disney app or go onto the Disney website and they give all of the measurements on how tall you must be to ride a ride. And they will check multiple times. Cast members, uh, are trained to check in. And I know you hear this sometimes that people are like, Oh, little Johnny wore, you know, bigger shoes or taller shoes or, you know, whatever to get on this ride. And, and I would just like to say, like, don't be that person. Don't do that. I get it. Your kid wants to go on a ride and you want them to go on a ride. However, I would say if they're not tall enough, that's a safety thing. Uh, that's not just for, you know, for just like a advisement, not like, Oh, here's just, just in case this is kind of what we think. No, it's really for safety. So I don't think it's worth putting your child at risk for, um, I don't know, harm, dismemberment to death, you know, just so they could go on Indiana Jones like early. I don't know. I mean, and if you're, if your kid is close, okay, you know, then, then maybe when you get there, but if your kid really, all they talk about is going on 
I don't know, Space Mountain, all they want to do is go on Space Mountain, Space Mountain, but your kid is is way too short, maybe postpone your trip. I don't know. I mean, I would just say that it's not worth it. Um, I chose, as much as I love Disneyland, and as much as I could not wait to take Jack there for the first time, he did not go to Disneyland for the first time with me until he was seven. Yeah, he was seven the first time we actually took him to Disneyland. And that was because I wanted him to be able to enjoy it and ride all the rides. My kid is a whole adrenaline junkie when it comes to that kind of stuff. And he loves going fast. He loves roller coasters. He loves all that kind of stuff. And I know he does. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to bring him here when he can't participate in things that I know he's going to want to participate in. And I'm lucky Jack's really, he's actually a very tall child for, for his age. Um, he's always been a very big kid, but um, it's one of those things to consider. So I would highly recommend doing your research, do your due diligence for the rides that are best for you and your family. Um, the uh, Fantasyland area, uh, I mean, they all they have tons of little kid rides that are great. And you can be like any size basically to go on those rides. Even Pirates of the Caribbean. Babies can go on Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's not as though there's not things to do. There's a lot of things to do for little ones at Disneyland. From from, uh, Toontown to all of the dark rides that really aren't that scary. Who You know, I, I mean maybe for real little kids they could be, but for the most part, I mean, they're a lot of fun. And I mean, Disneyland is built for adults and children and mostly children and a lot of adults now too that are weird like me. But uh, I would say do your due diligence, do your research, just like you would for anything else. You're a good parent, right? And if you're not a parent, then you can actually avoid, or if you're a parent and you don't choose to take your children with you, which we've done before too, uh, you don't choose to take your children with you to Disneyland, guess what? You don't have to go on some of those rides you don't want to go on like the teacups or you know different things like that for me the Matterhorn it just kills me every time and it's not because it's not like a fun roller coaster actually I don't think it's that fun people love the Matterhorn they go on it all the time um honestly I think it hurts my back I think it's just terrible I don't love it granted it was the first I believe it was a tubular track roller coaster in North America or ever I don't know. I should really do some more research before I just start talking off the cuff. Anyway, uh, (laughs) where I was going with that is that there are some majorly fun rides that people love to go on. And I would like to also give this other word of advice is just because you like a ride and you're bringing your child doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to like that same ride. For instance, Jack. When we took him to Disneyland, I thought, okay, he is going to love Indiana Jones. Like I said, this kid is a adrenaline junkie. He likes being scared. Not really, but you know, scared like it's in a kid sense. And he loves going fast and he loves different things like that. He goes on to Indy. He's all excited. We get on there. He goes on to Indy. And when he's done, he's crying. I kid you not, the kid is crying. And hes he was not a big crier as a baby. He was not, I mean, he's very happy, very upbeat child. He's crying. And he was like, I did not like that right, mommy. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I felt so bad because I wanted him to like it because I love it. I thought for sure he would. And he didn't. And that's okay. And I would never force him to go back on that ride again or anything like that. But as it turns out, a few years later, 
we didn't go on it a few times. And then a few years later, he was like, oh, I want to try Indiana Jones again. You know, he was older, more mature, like 10 years old. So I said, are you sure? My husband's like, are you sure? Because, you know, and he's like, I think I'm ready. So sure enough, he goes on it. And guess what? He killed it. He loves it. Now it is one of his favorite rides. So again, I think maybe we rushed him a little bit. Not on purpose, of course, but it's just it's just what happened. I would say that there's a lot of great things to do at Disneyland. And the things that I find most important to me are the memories, of course, that I'm making uh, with my family when I go there. I have great memories of going to Disneyland when I was a little kid, uh, when I was 16, when I was 18, when I was 21. Uh, you know, 25, I celebrated my 30th birthday at Disneyland because I was so sad I was turning 30. And I'm really excited that I was able to go as part of my honeymoon. When we got married two years ago, we actually stayed at the Grand Californian, which is on Disney property. And it's the most ridiculously overpriced, expensive hotel in the world, but it was totally worth it for me. It was amazing. Um, and I say Disney just has amazing memories for me, from my growing up to bringing my now husband there for the first time to experiencing it multiple times with Jack. And I love Disneyland. And that is really the reason why I think I love going there so much. It's not so much about me. It's about me and the memories of my family. Um, I give kudos to people who go to Disney parks on their own, who go single, who go, you know, by themselves just to experience and have fun. For me, it's not about how, what I'm experiencing per se. It's just more about what my family is experiencing. I would like to say if you're considering a Disney trip and, uh, things don't go exactly your way, you go, you consider, you over plan it. And you get there and you're like, okay, 1002, we're on small world. 1012, we're over here. You know, we're going on the racers. We're doing this. We're doing that. And you just over plan it. I think that that could actually really be a detriment to your trip. And I don't mean to sound that in a mean way, but I just think that, uh, you know, you kind of got to let things happen too. You can have a generalized plan, but sometimes when people over plan, they can be disappointed. It's not going to be perfect. You know, I mean, you have children, if you have children, and they're pretty darn unpredictable, I would say. Kids are very unpredictable. In fact, the other day, I'm literally thinking how I'm going to have Jack help with something, and I and he's at his dad's house, and I text him, and I'm like, hey, bud, you want to come and help mom do this, blah, 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 because I was right down the street from where he lives. And uh, he's like, I threw up. I'm not well. I mean, he just, you know, it was like, okay. So case in point, first time we went to Disneyland, he halfway through our first trip, he was like, he started crying. He's like, my throat hurts. And I like put my flashlight on and oh, okay. He's got a bright red throat. So we go back to the hotel early. And yeah, was I disappointed? Of course. I know he was too, but he's sick. Like there's things that, you know, don't go your way when you're on vacation. And especially if you have kids and it's okay. It's okay to be flexible. Don't over plan your trip. But most importantly, take lots of great pictures, enjoy your time. And it's okay. Have patience. Definitely pack your patience when you're going to a Disneyland. If you're, if you're going, 
pack your patience. And I would just like to say that I love going to Disneyland, like I said, but I love being with my family the most. Like that is by far the best part. And whether we're at Disneyland or we're, you know, at home or we're at the park or we're just riding bikes or whatever it is that we're doing, uh, being with my family is the best part. And I think that's why Disney is so special to me because it is all about my family when I go there. So anyways, those are some of the things that I think to consider when I go to Disneyland. And I hope maybe you learned a little bit of something. If not, just pretend that you did. And, you know, hopefully you continue to listen to everything with Jenna. And that is the end of this podcast. So thank you so much again for listening. Have a great day.